Have you dreamed of bigger things for your life? Then you are in the right place. Each week, you will be given tips on how to change your inner dialogue, conquer your goals, and ways to step into a higher version of yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Kubat. I'm a motivational speaker who hosts personal development events. I'm a sought-after fitness instructor, a wife, and a mom of two young boys. I'm obsessed with all things personal development, and I believe anyone can achieve the life they want. Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hey guys. Oh my gosh. We talk about so much in this episode. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a news anchor? Because I have, and I got some questions answered today. But aside from that, we talk about what it's like when you're faced with this crossroads in your life, like this transition. What am I going to do next? How it can feel so daunting. How you wonder what your purpose is, right? And I've been at that place in my life many times. And if you're listening, I'm sure you have too. You're going to get so much out of today's episode. Let me just give you a background on who Angie is. So Angie Mazel is an author, speaker, and conversation catalyst who helps high-achieving women release a lifetime of shoulds, pave their own way, and build a life on a foundation of courageous freedom. Her mission is to inspire women to step away from false identities, meet and face grief and loss, and choose mindful presence over external ambition. Angie just released her book, Girl in the Spotlight. We talk all about it. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. You heard that intro. We're going to get right into it today. First of all, Angie, thank you for being here. We were connected by a mutual friend. Uh, and then I looked up your Instagram and read your bio. I'm like, I connect with this Angie woman. So just thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. And I feel the same. I did the same thing. And it's it's just nice to talk with someone who's local. I see that we have mutual friends and on similar journeys yeah. in terms of what we're going for in our lives. And I love the name of your podcast, Become Your Vision, because oh, you know you. we all see that in our head. We can see what we're trying to be and how do you actually become it? So yeah, that was one of the hardest things when starting the podcast. I'm like, what am I going to name it? I had other names. I always finish the episode with you got this and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that was mm-hmm. taken, but I think it's a, it's a perfect fit. So I'm excited to jump right in. Well, one of the reasons why I connected with you too, this is kind of going off on a tangent, was I think it was in your bio, you mentioned how it's been your dream to be like a backup dancer. And I said that when I was a kid and I, anytime I see like the backup dancers with like any like Beyonce clips or anything like that, I'm like, I missed my calling, but I know how, like, it's such hard work and for really little pay, but it looks so fun. (laughs) It's so funny. And it's, I don't know anything about choreography, but I was on the treadmill this morning and a song came on. So I'm running and I don't want to be running. (laughs) And what got me through it is I was making up a dance in my head. So in my head, I am a fantastic dancer. Mm. I mean, but you know, I don't know. That's all that matters is what you think, right? You know, (laughs) perception. (laughs) I love it. So let's get right into, I've never met a real life, like news anchor. So let's Mm. talk about that. How did you 
get onto that path of being mm-hmm. a news anchor? Well, I'll start by saying growing up in Charleston, I don't know what it's like in other local markets, but I know that here are news anchors. A lot of them have been here a long time and they just are a fixture in the community. And I grew up in a house where the news was always on. Um, But I wouldn't say that it was something that I aspired to do when I was very young. When I was in high school, I was doing the morning announcements for the school journalism a class, a club. And this is when being able to broadcast over the classroom televisions, that was kind of a new thing. So we would read the morning announcements at, over television in the classroom. And my teachers started to tell me that I should consider a career in news. It's just, it's funny. They could, they noticed that I was a good public speaker and probably had a little bit of camera presence, even though I was very self-conscious. Um, and at the time, um, Nancy O'Dell, do you know her? Like she's big time Los Angeles entertainment host, but she used to anchor the morning show here in Charleston. Is she blonde? Yes. Okay. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. She went from channel two to access Hollywood. And then she's, um, I think doing her own thing now. Um, but I followed her career and, it started with my teachers telling me you could do this. Like Mm. you could be the next, you know, name your favorite anchor there. And so I I don't, I think some of it was that it was just the encouragement, like how, because I don't think I would have thought of that for myself. Interesting. Um, Yeah. I was the first person in my family to go to college. Um, And that it, it is, it felt like breaking into show business. But I started when I was looking, you know, at colleges, for example, I did not start at the University of South Carolina. I transferred, um, but they have a journalism department, you know, a whole accredited journalism program. And I started to realize, oh, you can actually major in something to learn how to be a broadcaster. So this was all new to me. Um, And then I just took the advice of my professors in terms of just interning when I came home and you just have to be very um, assertive and be willing to make phone calls and go, hi, can I come intern? And then I just kind of worked my way in. And so it was almost a surprise to me that I was able to get into the door and, oh, now I'm here. And I was scared the whole time. And then I realized, oh, I'm doing this, but it, It was, I don't, I don't even, sometimes I look back and I'm like, how did someone like me end up on television? Right. Uh, Well, well, looking at you too, and how you speak, I'm like, well, it makes perfect sense. Like, you know, you just do such a great job. You have great um, camera presence. And I want to know, was there any like competition? Because I feel like nowadays everybody wants to be on TV. Everybody wants to be the next influencer or, you know, TikTok rage, whatever it is. At the time, did you find yourself having to, I guess, compete with a lot of women or men um, in order to accomplish your dream? Initially, I did not feel that because I very much felt like the new kid. I literally felt like a child when I walked in to 
television stations to do an interview or I, I felt like the youngest person in the room and I might have been. So if anything, I was just looking up to everyone and I felt intimidated, but not in that this person is my direct competition. I was just trying to, will I ever measure up? Will mm. I ever not be so green? I was so, I did not have the polish. I did not have, I just had to kind of learn by doing when a, a few years into it, then you start to feel that competition. Um, when more people like kind of more on your playing field, you're starting to work with them. And, and that is real. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm a little naive. I'm not really bringing that to the table. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I started to realize, Oh, I'm being competed with. And then I realized, oh, I'm competitive too. (laughs) Like, okay, but I'll tell you the lesson in that because sometimes being competitive, that can be healthy. Mm -hmm. If there's a healthy competition and it keeps you on your game, um, it can also stir up insecurity. And I did not realize I had to learn that there's, there may not, they, you don't feel like there's room for everybody at the top, but there's room for everybody to do the thing they're best at somewhere, somehow. And it really made, it brought up a sense of lack in me, the competition, um, because the higher you get, of course, it gets more competitive. And I was bringing a lot of insecurity to that. Mm. Unfortunately, it took me a while to learn. Um, There's always more, right? It's like you reach this next ladder. Like, when am I going to get on TV? Okay, then how long am I going to be on TV for? And, you know, who's my competitor? And what's the next thing? It's like you're constantly climbing this ladder, I think, in every area of life. Mm -hmm. How? Okay, so when do you remember the first time when they were like, okay, it's your time. We're putting you on TV. You have a permanent (laughs) spot. So can you kind of go back to that? So I started out as a producer. So as I worked my way up, I interned at stations. And then I would, after I graduated college, I would call those stations. Do you have a job? Do you have a job? And I finally got a job as an 11 o'clock producer. And, you know, I was actually pretty comfortable being a producer, which again, not listening. I wasn't always listening to my inner signals. I I could wear jeans to work. I could order pizza on Fridays and, you know, I could just sit and type and write the stories. Um, but the first time I got invited to do a story on the air, it was in a a movie was coming out. It was a movie premiere and I was in the lobby of the movie theater and I had to get the main anchor to help me. I was so scared. And I remember it's like the next thing, you know, you're on air and I swallowed really big. Like you could (laughs) see my throat go up and down. It's like, I just had no, I don't even know. Sometimes it's just like you, it's like sink or swim Mm -hmm. is what it was like. And so that just sort of evolved to more opportunities until suddenly there was a position. So it was more gradual than that. But I do remember that first time I ever appeared on television 
And I was a little bit like, what have I gotten myself into? Right. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Your first time for, you know, anything you can think about your first time riding a bike or the first time going to the gym or whatever it may be. It's scary until you repeat it. And then, you know, it's not so scary. This is kind of just a random question because I've always wondered this. Did they train you, and I don't know what you sounded like when you were on the air, but like to talk in a specific voice, because you hear those people from like Dateline and stuff, and you're like, they don't talk to their partner or in a normal conversation, like their uh, quote unquote radio voice. Do they teach you how to speak in front of the camera? That That is so funny because... Um, and I, I was almost like, I wonder if I could do it right now, talk in my reporter voice. <laughs> you should but, try. But <laughs> um, I think we, I almost think maybe we mimic each other. I don't remember ever being taught any of this. And even the way I'm speaking right now, um, and you probably can still hear it, but I have a very, I'm Southern accent and I talk like, you know, I talk into the faster you talk. And if I have a yeah. couple of drinks, I'm going to sound like, no, no, no. <laughs> so it's just, I just slow it down and and learn to be in your lower register. I do remember having conversations about talking more from your belly and not from your throat you know, so that you can. And what is that cadence, that news anchor cadence that we all do? Right? I don't really even know about that. Like, did, did anyone said you had to talk like that? I just think we all just sort of know that you do and you I would listen to people and I would listen to how they sounded when they were recording a script or being live on the air. And, um, but interesting it is, but there's not a class on that. At least I didn't attend one. (laughs) That's interesting because as you're saying that too, I'm like, well, how I speak on the podcast is not usually how I speak, you know, with friends. Generally I try to, but I can fall, fall into that, I guess, trap of, emulating people that I hear. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, it started with like the radio before. I think people were really Mm -hmm. hard to hear on the radio. So they had to talk very clear and with, you know, Mm -hmm. direct. I don't know. I remember my husband saying that before. I don't know where he got that from, but who knows, but it's interesting. (laughs) And now that you're mentioning you're like, I don't know. We weren't trained on that. I just thought it would uh, be interesting to ask. But okay, so you talk about in your bio how you started to feel unfulfilled. Can you talk about Mm. what led you to that feeling and how you, I guess, got out of it? Well, I did have, for years, I believed I was on the path I was supposed to be on, I would often stop. And it's like, have you ever stood outside your life and looked at it? And I'm like, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Like, wow. You know, I get to interview people and write stories for a living. And I really enjoy this. The only thing I think it was a slow, gradual thing that the reality that if I wanted to move up in the business, I was going to have to move. And what was unique to my situation is that I was already living and working in my hometown, which in one sense felt like a dream to be able to anchor the news where I grew up at a really good station, um, Channel 5 here in Charleston. I started and my husband and I were married and 
a couple of years and I started to imagine like, what would it look like if we did just stay here? What if we bought a house? And I started wanting these things that did not line up with our career aspirations. I, um, my husband's also, um, in television, um, and we had a path that we had created together. So there was a lot of internal conflict because I could not come to terms with the shifts I was feeling inside of myself. And I just kept ignoring it. I was, I would hear it, but I didn't know what to do with that information. And at the very end of my career, the last place I worked, I took a job that I did not want. And all of my red flags were going off inside of me as I signed a contract. And it's just because I couldn't imagine, well, if I don't do this, what will I do? This was the question in my head. And I was not ready to answer that question because my identity was so wrapped up in my work. So I am living proof that if you continue to ignore your inner voice, you can probably limp along for a while, but it absolutely will catch up with you. So the, the true lack of fulfillment came after I was really just, I, and I feel like I had trapped myself in a situation that I did not want to be in. And I, it's scary to pave a new path for yourself, but I don't want for anyone, I don't want anyone to experience what I experienced when I realized I had put myself in a situation I did not want to be in and signed a contract that was right. that's scarier. Cause it's like, now what do I do? So anyway, that is what led to kind of this unraveling that has gotten me where I am today, where I, I just look at everything differently. I look at choices. I look at success. I look at even this quest to have it all. What does that even mean? I just see everything with new eyes. I feel like I'm, I'm living life in a freer way. And that's empowering. I'm sure, you know, and Mm. I want the listener to know too, we all come to this point in our life, this, these crossroads, right. And Mm. we're like, which way are we going to turn metaphorically speaking? And it can feel so daunting. And I want Mm. you guys to find yourself in Angie's story. If you're kind of feeling the same way of being unfulfilled and where do I go? And what does my life look like if I am no longer doing this thing or I'm no longer in this relationship or I no longer Mm -hmm. live in this area Mm -hmm. or in this religion, so on and so forth, whatever it is. When you were at this crossroads, first of all, how long were you a news anchor at this point? I had been in the business about eight years. I was approaching 30 and I, I laugh at that now because you feel so old at that point, you should have it all figured out. Right. Well, right. (laughs) It, It feels old when you're so used to being really young, you know, you're like, wow, 30, that's, uh, you know, new, but I was also (laughs) in this career that especially for women, I do feel, I believe there was a shelf life to it 
that, and I also believed that you had to achieve certain markers by a certain time on the timeline of your life to even begin to get, you know, where you wanted to go. So um, I actually lost track of the question. No, you're good. What am I answering? Because sometimes when I go back there, it, it really is like, you're triggered almost diff- as a little bit, you know, yeah. I'm like, wait, what are we talking about? Yeah. Because I get so into it. It'll still stir something up in me, but Isn't where was I going with that? Yeah. No, it's interesting. And that's okay. It happens to me all the time, but there's some feeling there still, mm-hmm. obviously. And you're probably mentioning your story over and over again with your mm-hmm. recent book, but how long were you a news anchor? And when you were in, I'll give a, an extended uh, question to that is when were you like, I can't finish this contract or did Mm -hmm. you finish that contract? Mm -hmm. Well, so that was, I was almost 30 and was like, I clearly know within myself that I don't want to do the steps I would need to do to advance in this career anymore. Mm -hmm. And it, it was like, there's no more, there was time, but I'm like, I've, basically spent my entire twenties doing this, but it truly, I felt almost like if there's a light inside of you, it was becoming so dim. I could feel it in my body that I was depressed. I, I would even have, I did not do this very often, but a couple of days that I had to like call in sick and I never called in sick, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't get out of bed. I, that is just a dangerous dangerous path to be on when you continue to ignore yourself that I felt like I was dying on the inside. Mm. So, but then there's also a light, like once you start to be honest with yourself, which is kind of what was happening, I, I pushed it to a point that I couldn't ignore, you know, this is not working. You can't keep trying to make this work. And that's actually what it was. I just like, I don't, I didn't really identify as some one who quits something. Mm. And I'm very um, practiced in just trying to make it work. How can I make this work? Right. So it was a couple of things. It really, a catalyst for me though, is I went to the doctor and I said, I wanted to have a mole checked, but I feel like, and I needed to have it checked, but I knew when I was scheduling the appointment that something bigger was going on. And she just happened to notice that I didn't seem quite right. So she was like, the mole is fine. Is there anything else going on? And I felt such relief. I felt a doorway open that I could start to talk about this. And I'm like, I really want to quit my job. Mm. And she validated this crossroads that I was in. And she said something very interesting, which could be interpreted multiple ways but I'll tell you how I took it. She said, I have my career and I have my family and it's hard. She said, but I used to think, I used to think I could have it all. And now I know I have to make choices. Now, one way you can look at that is you have to choose career. You have to choose family. You can't, you have to pick. Um, I think she was alluding to there is, there are trade-offs to any path you take in life. But the thing I heard loud and clear was I have to make choices. And it reminded me that I had to make some sort of choice here, that I could make a choice, that 
I was getting in my own way because I was not making a decision about where I was in my life. And it just, it was like a veil was lifted from my eyes and it was like, oh, I don't have to keep doing this. I'm only continuing to do this and feel stuck because I'm choosing to be here at this point. So, Ugh. and it'd be like a release almost like somebody is validating how I am feeling. I'm yes. not alone. So yes. jump into, okay. You're like, oh, I need to make this decision. And for the listener, indecision is a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one that requires a lot of energy because you're like, you think about, you play in your head all the what ifs. So when you came to that realization, what did you do? Did you end the contract? Mm-hmm. How did you go about that? What mm-hmm. did this next phase look like? Okay. So I had to, I I started going to therapy and there were a couple of events that actually from that doctor's appointment, she recommended a therapist and it was just a really good, well-timed. I mean, I just am happy that I ended up with who I did because she wanted to dig into the backstory of my life, which is why I wrote a book because I started to dig into the backstory of my life, but she recognized that we were in a crisis and she just kind of helped me see next steps clearly. And really just helped me get the courage to walk in and resign. And it wasn't, it was really scary, but I, I had some language that I had worked out within myself that just basically for personal reasons, I can't continue to do this. I'm not quitting to go run off and work for the competition. Um, and when you, resign under those circumstances, it was almost like understood that it was going to be my last day. And, but then after that, I had to, I had to get an attorney. Luckily I had a friend (laughs) who just helped me behind the scenes work out what it's, it's, it's like getting divorced. You know, you you had to get an attorney because you're breaking the contract or why? Oh, yes. Because I was breaking the contract and I could have just Now, honestly, I could have just signed the new like release that they offered to me, but I had my friend who was married to an attorney was like, you might want him to look at it. And so it was the first time I ever had someone advocating for me and on my side. And really it was just a little bit of back and forth. It was nothing that dramatic. It felt highly dramatic. (laughs) Was money involved where you would have to give them money or it was more about the limitations they were trying to put on me to work in any area of my training. Gotcha. That the attorney was like, this isn't fair, but we had to prove to them. I'm we're really, we understand this is inconvenient, but (laughs) I had, it's like, my intentions are pretty good that I just have to get out of this business, but I also have this training in this area. So there was a lot of back and forth there that um, it would have bound me to an a, another agreement, essentially, that I did not want to be bound to for the length of my contract plus one year. So what we were really working for was my time. So in the end of the day, it wasn't really any money. It was just more of 
an agreement that it's like you're trying to part ways on the best terms you can. Right. And I think that if I just didn't have someone advocating for me, because again, nobody was trying to um, get anything, if that makes sense, to drag it out. I just needed someone to be speaking on my behalf because I was that kind of person that I was about to just read that release and sign it and go, okay. And, you know, I've learned some lessons about that. Like you really have to know what you're getting it yourself into. Mm. Um, and, and honestly, when I signed the contract to begin with, I knew what I was getting myself into. I just thought, well, I'm signing the contract. Obviously I'm going to have to see this through to the end. Um, and I never really considered, do you really want to do this for the next three years of your life? You know, yeah, I just a was three like, year out contract is kind of a long time. It's like, you don't know what you're doing tomorrow. Sometimes, you know, like right. throw some curves at you and you're that, that would be, and especially when you're young too, it's like, okay, this is my life. This is what I've been waiting for three years. I got this, you know, and that's then, exactly how I felt. Yeah. And then life changes. Until I was like, wow. I mean, I worked so much in that business. Life is your work. But I started to go, wait, I just gave away three years of my life. What am I doing? You know, and so taking the steps to leave, especially when I was bound to a contract was super scary. I did not have a lot of money to you know, hire a big attorney or do anything. I mean, I just kind of, you work your connections and your relationships, you know, I just found a friend who was willing to get on the phone and kind of negotiate some things on my behalf. And, you know, it was all really in the end, kind of a peaceful parting. Um, but I didn't realize I had never had to stand up for myself like that before, or maybe, it was the first time I ever really realized that I needed to stand up for myself. Mm, that's an interesting so, concept. And it's, you know, it's not always what, you know, you know, it's who, you know, they say, mm -hmm. and there's always an answer. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. Like we need to figure it all out. Now we need to have the answers right now, but sometimes mm -hmm. time is the best method figuring it out and allowing yourself some time hey guys i used to be one of those people that around the holidays i would just completely let myself go it's that time of year where there's tons of cookies and cakes and gatherings and you are in layers and it's cold outside and you just comfort yourself with food is that you I've been there, I promise. And the New York comes and you are just stuck feeling like, I don't know, like a snowman, a blob. You don't feel good and you feel like you have all this work to do. My recommendation is to up level one meal a day. That's all I'm asking. One meal a day. What can you improve? I've created a high fiber, high protein cereal to help you do that. For the woman who struggles with what to eat, you want it to taste good, and this time of year, muesli cereal is so good, warm. You can even add your favorite chocolate chips, maybe some peppermint chocolate chips, and make it a little 
festive. Go to mymoosley.com. That's my M O O S E L Y.com. Shipping is free over $34.99. I'm here to help you. Okay, so you end your contract. Mm-hmm. What did this next step in your life look like? This new you, essentially. I entered a world of a lot of freelance work and it just, it was this whole new season of life where I was essentially reinventing my career. You know, fortunately I had training in areas that I could do PR and marketing. Um, I started working at a gym just because it felt fun. I got a personal trainer certification and did that for a few years. And that was simply because I was starting to enter a world of health and wellness. And so I started to use my gifts and talents in different ways. And then I started to learn new things. So that was really fun. Um, especially when I had been so set on one path and then I, started a family. My husband and I finally decided it was time to start having children. Um, And I knew that walking away from that career had changed me in a major way. And I felt like it was something that I needed to share with other women. And I explored different paths. Um, Do I want to become a life coach? Do I want to become a motivational speaker? And it was around the time that I I had discovered blogging and I started writing short stories about my present day life on a blog, but it was through this new lens of having walked away and taken a leap of faith, if you will. And somewhere in doing that, I realized that I did really want to try to write a book and that was a long process. I mean, it it, did, it didn't really take 14 years, but I conceived of, I'm going to try to write a book like 14 years ago. Um, and that's, I started with, I knew like the big thing that happened in the story is that I walked away from this career. I walked away from a dream. What did that mean? How, if, if I feel like it freed me, well, how did it free me? And it wasn't until I started to work that story backwards that I started, and also with the help of my therapist, so I was doing that also, I started to see a lot of um, things in my childhood and just that had shaped my view of success and self-worth. And I started to see how I was using my career and my work to fill a void. Mm. And so it was a lot of personal work as I was looking back on these turning points in my life that got me where I was. And, but I knew I was like, I, I just really felt there, there can be many ways I can tell this story. And just even like I'm doing now, I can tell it on podcasts. I can, there's so many ways that we can tell our stories. Mm. I just felt so deeply that it also needed to be a book and that it wouldn't really be what it was supposed to be until I told the whole story, if you will. Yeah. So How did you, when you're talking about this, not sorry to cut you off there, Mm -hmm. when you're talking about making the shift and how you had to change, I think it's really important that we hit on these points 
of how you mentioned your childhood and connecting attaching your your worth to your work. I'm right there. I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you've ever taken the Enneagram I'm a test. two. You're I'm a two. two. Mm -hmm. I, if you've never done it, take it. But with a three, and you're mentioning how you're attaching, like I said, your worth to your work and your achievements and your success. And a lot of things from our childhood can, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for come to fruition when you mm -hmm. are an adult, but what were some of the false identities that you had to change as a woman and how other women can change these like false identities in their life? I obviously I was in a career in the spotlight. So there's an element of performing anytime mm -hmm. a camera's turned on you, but somewhere along the way, I, I had, I started to believe that I had to be on, that I had to be presenting that version of myself to get the thing that I wanted the most, which was connection, belonging, um, validation. Mm. It, it's just, I was seeking outside validation and I still seek work in the spotlight <laughs> because Just in a different spotlight, right? Yeah. I mean, on your it, terms. It, it is different. It is a little bit more on my terms because I do a better job of looking inside myself and asking, does this work feel meaningful? Why am I working so hard? Why does it matter? Um, and I've also learned to live not in the spotlight. You know, can I find fulfillment in my day-to-day -day life? when I'm running around with my small children, my kids are getting older now, but I have been that mom just kind of in my yoga pants and like being home and volunteering and doing all kinds of things. And it, that is just a, it's a journey. It's a process of becoming your own friend and being kind to yourself and I do think that starts with just listening to how you're feeling and trusting it instead of doing the initial reaction, at least with, it was my reaction, which was to dismiss it because my inner voice was telling me things that felt counter to what our culture says mm. is successful. And it was like, this doesn't make sense. And I just, it was not listening to that that was getting me farther and farther away. So I actually feel like once we really start to listen and learn how to become our own friend and be kind and compassionate, we can make these brave choices to kind of untangle from those mindsets that have perhaps been keeping us stuck. Mm. That's a good point. You mentioned something you had to ask yourself, can I find meaning in everyday life? And I think that is really profound because we, as humans, are kind of always on this quest, like we mentioned earlier, what's the next thing, what's the next mm -hmm. thing that our feet become in the future steps rather than where we currently are. And we're mm -hmm. so focused on what is next that we forget to say, what is now? How am I feeling now? Where's their beauty here? There's a book I'm reading, I believe it's Millionaire in the Fast Lane, but mm -hmm. 
we look for these things in our life, the events, right? The highlights, but the real change is in the process. Mm -hmm. The real joy is in the process, but we lose that. And we're so focused on the event itself. And when you reach that event, you find yourself like, shouldn't I be happier? You know, I've always wanted this, but the true, uh, I guess, joy comes in the process. We -hmm. mentioned false identities. So attaching ourselves to your job, you mentioned that, uh, attaching ourselves to only being a mom. And I say, quote unquote, only being a mom. Sometimes we think we should be doing more. Sometimes we think we're not doing enough. We fall into this trap of what does uh, society want for me that we stop, like you said, questioning what we want and we base our choices on what we think we need to do. Mm-hmm. What has be- been the biggest mindset shift in your life from where you were at before, maybe making that transition to now? Like what what can you see in your head or a quote mm-hmm. where you're like, I had to change that in order to become this version of Angie? It It was this true belief that I do not have to perform to be loved mm. how i got there i i j- it is the simple practice of i really feel like a lot of breakthroughs happened when i was in my body so that's why i feel like exercise is so important moving our body taking a walk or even grounding ourselves with a morning cup of coffee and just really feeling how the warm cup feels in your hand, bringing Mm. yourself into the present where your senses, you're paying attention to what is literally right in front of you. That is how we get out of our head, which, I mean, I'm always in my head. Mm. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) Um, But whatever, there's something about getting ourselves into the, our body or being present that the true essence of who we are, we start to feel it and we start to know it. And that is the big difference between the person I was then and now is that I really believed back then that if I make the right choices, if I do the right things, if I behave the right way, if I'm a good enough employee, Um, If I'm a good enough friend, you know, all the things, you know, we're all trying so hard to look like our vision, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, that we have missed the, well, what does it feel like? I mean, who am I on the inside? And that is just, it's, I don't think it's as difficult as we think it is. Mm -hmm. We just have to figure out our own special ways of drowning out the noise. Mm. And, um, and you have to catch yourself in those moments where you feel lighter. I really feel like that's when I started to transform and even eventually became a writer, um, is that I would be journaling. I would be sitting in a coffee shop and a comfy chair, sweatpants, 
journaling. And all of a sudden I would feel a shift in my being where I'm like, wait, I don't feel really worried and stressed about everything right now. What's going on? And then I'm, I started to notice what I was doing when the stress went away. That's funny that you mentioned that because I had to remind myself on a walk today, I found myself like panicking over like the next step and my to-do list. And Mm -hmm. you can't get creative. You can't think about the next step step (laughs) when you're coming from a a place of lack and panic right? You have to, it's, it's weird. You mentioned how you're just like, things came to you when you weren't stressed. And there's, there's beauty in that. When you let yourself just be, you find new opportunities come to you. You know, you're manifesting what you really want. If you're coming from a place like, I need to do this. I have to get this done. What is this going to look like? You're just creating more worry and more doubt and more fear. But if you come from a place like, I'm going to figure this out. I may not know the answer right now, but I will figure this out. So I think that was great that you mentioned that because I can feel that sense in that coffee shop of how, you know, it just feels so good to be stress-free. So yeah, it does. I noticed this was something that I noticed is that my brain was in overdrive. Like we're trying Mm -hmm. to figure something out. And I noticed that I wouldn't let myself stop thinking about it. Mm. I felt like if I stop obsessing over this, then my life is going to spin out of control when it's actually the opposite. Right. Because if you're thinking about something that hard, that is not where you're going to find the answer that Mm. you actually have to let it go, but you have to trust that the deepest question you're holding, that answer will come, but it will not come when you are obsessing over what is the answer. It just doesn't come that way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're getting to the end here. Um, I want to know what success means to you now. Hmm. I really think it is seeing things that feel important to me, seeing certain things all the way through. It's very interesting because so much of my story is letting go. Yeah. And I think it's knowing what to hold on to and knowing what to let go of and trusting that your life is like a maze and that if you're meant to do something, and you're on this journey of your life showing up every day, you are going to do the things that you were meant to do. So mm. the success is, I mean, the, the outer validation we get is very nice. We like to get affirmation and we can look at, are we making money or are we, and I'm not saying those things aren't important, but it really does matter how it feels on the inside while you're achieving these things. And success now for me is things that I am striving for and goals that I have that come from my abundance and this belief 
that I was meant to rise higher Mm -hmm. and not from a place of lack that I have to achieve something to prove to myself or others that I matter. Mm -hmm. So there's just this huge difference. You could be going for the same goal, but if your mindset is from this place of insecurity and lack, it's, I I would question whether that was actually success. Yeah. Love it. Perfectly said. Where can, what's the book? Where can people purchase it? And where can they follow you on social media? Okay. The book is Girl in the Spotlight. It's my coming of age memoir. And you can find it online at any of your favorite booksellers. Um, And you can go to my website, angiemazel.com. And my website will take you everywhere that you need to go. Two Z's, two L's, angiemazel.com. Perfect. And I will leave that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your journey and inspiring other women to lead the life that they want to lead it. What I mean by that is showing others that you don't have to fall into any societal traps. You can create your own path. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. This was great. We went deep. We (laughs) went deep for sure. And you guys, thanks for tuning in. Remember, you got this. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available. My goal is to inspire others to become their vision. And one way to get the word out is with reviews. I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes and it would mean so much to me. Thanks again and remember to go after the life you want. Bye guys. Bye.